Greetings and welcome to Visibility with your host, Dr. Donna Maria Culbreth. You may call us to share your thoughts, pose a question, or to give a general comment by dialing area code 323-642-1562. And now, Dr. Culbreth. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Visibility. I'm your host, Dr. Donna Maria Goldberg, and I'm coming to you live, as I always do every Wednesday, and staying warm in the middle of this nor'easter that we're dealing with here in the north. And it's a lot of snow, guys, but it's beautiful snow. I, I love the snow. So having said that, I hope those of you who are being affected by it are staying warm and you're cozy and you have some good food to eat. Until it passes. Tonight we're going to be focusing in on being the change and using your unique calling to trailblaze as a torchbearer. And this actual episode is based on a piece, essay rather, that I wrote at the end of last year. And the post on our Keep Rising to the Top blog under the title in 2018. Be the change that you wish to see in the world. So here's what I want to talk about tonight. Number one, like I said, the unique calling, girls and women of color, societal ills, being empowered, the change needed, things that matter, opportunity, advocating, you know, and the broader concerns of humanity, business, dreaming in color, Silence, voices, visibility, a helping hand, passion, you know, looking at your purpose. Of course, we included in all this, we have to include a discussion on the haters and the naysayers, and then focus on you living your dream. And what I find so interesting, guys, is that before I even get started, let me just talk a little bit more about visibility. And since we have launched visibility, I've met some amazing, and I do mean amazing women, who do amazing things, you know, personally, academically, and professionally. And I commend them all. As I noted last week, we wrapped up the We Are Our Sisters Keepers mini-series of Black History Month, and it was outstanding. It was phenomenal. We received such great feedback. And my guests were awesome, outstanding. We had great discussions, dialogue, and we focused in on so many issues that are relevant that are affect that were actually that are actually affecting black girls and women today. I would also, before I go any further, like to say congratulations to one of our guests for the episode of um, Black is Beautiful. Dr. Sharita Butler Barnes received her tenure last week. So congratulations to you, Dr. Butler Barnes, and keep rising to the top. And being that the mini-series was such a success, I'm excited to keep moving forward with visibility in our weekly shows with the anticipation of going, getting more shows during the weekday. So it's an adventure. It's exciting. Uh, we look forward to the growth. And it continues to success. So let's get into talking about 
being the change needed in your unique callings. And here's the thing. When we talk about unique callings, it's basically this. Everyone possesses talents and skills. And those talents and skills empower them with what I identify as the unique, a unique calling. And the unique calling, your unique calling, enables you to do what you do so well with great passion. And so there are so many people who are using their unique callings to be the change needed to make the world a better place to live in. And when we start looking at what really is comprised of a unique calling, I look at it as it's your time that you give unselfishly. It's your talents that enable you to go out and, and show, help, develop, um, collaborate. It's your, it's your skill set. The skills that you've acquired, whether through training, education, however, that you're able to put to use that make, that actually help make your unique what it really is. And then, and then it's your creativity ability to be creative and whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, and when your end result that you bring to the table is comprised of the creativity, the skills, the talents, and your time. That's what, I, that's what I'm referring to when I talk about your unique callings. My unique calling is my passion for focusing in on girls and women of color, on their psychological, emotional, physical, and social well-being, their growth, their self-esteem, you know, an attempt to be a part of the change, focusing in on them academically, personally, and professionally, embracing them, celebrating them, rather, advancing, celebrating, embracing, and empowering them personally, academically, and professionally. And here's the thing. When you start looking at your unique calling, and some people would actually say, well, I don't even know what my unique calling is. It will come to you. You will figure it out. And it may not even be that you wake up one morning and you say, okay, I'm going to make this my unique calling. It's something that's within you, within the inner fabric of your being. It's your like, something you like that you're passionate about. That you're and to make be a part of the change, make a difference, and remember, your unique calling can be something really small, medium, huge. It can be extraordinarily huge. But the key to remember is that you never know how your actions, your interactions, or reactions can make a difference and be the catalyst for a change that can be so beneficial to society in like numerous ways. So when we talk about that unique calling and how you can use your unique calling to trailblaze a path as a torchbearer, there's so many areas that we can look at, and especially the societal ills nowadays. But before I even get there, let me tell you what really helped me discover my unique calling. And I've told this story several times over the since 2012 since being on the air. Years ago, I worked in corporate America, 
and I hated it. I hated the job more than anything in this world. And it was not a fulfilling job. My supervisor was a very insecure white woman who was just borderline incompetent. And it was just not, it wasn't a good fit for me because the job meant it had no meaning. It was just a paycheck and it was work. And what happened one year, I had to drive almost three hours to go to the Eastern Shore in Maryland um, to deal with an issue where I had to terminate a woman. And, you know, I went there, met with a woman, and she knew I was there to terminate her. And I mean, I'll never forget this as long as I live, and I'll tell the story. And she said to me, I'm glad you came here to do this. I hate this bleepity bleepy job. I've been working here for 30 years, and I hate it. It has no meaning to it. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not satisfied. I just come here to get a paycheck. And I said to her, so what are you going to do now? What are your next steps if you leave here? Just in a conversation, she said to me, I'm going to do something meaningful with my life. I own land, and my friend and I have a horse farm where we take care of retired racehorses, and they can come here and live out the rest of their days and have a good quality life. That means something to me. And she said, when I leave this earth, I want my life to have stood for something, that I made a difference, that I lived a fulfilling This job has never been fulfilling for me. It's never been that I was excited to come to. I hated it. And here's the thing for me, guys. I appreciated her honesty. And when she said that she wanted her life to, you know, to, to, you know, have stood for something, to have made a difference, that changed my life. So in the meantime, you know, I handled what I had to do, took the long, drawn-out, three-hour ride back. But that ride back gave me time to think and to reflect. And although up to that point I'd hated this job so much, and I was looking, you know, sending out resumes to get out of it, to find something better. I made the decision that day. That was a deal breaker for me. And I said to myself, you know what? <laughs> this ride, this situation that just took place today needed to happen so that I could see or really give me that call that I needed, that I wasn't living a fulfilling life professionally. I hated the position, hated the, the environment, I dealt with all the racism. That was something I could easily handle. Handled. But so let me get back to my ride. I'm driving back from the Eastern Shore, and it gave me time to think and reflect. And by the time I reached um, the other side of Maryland, my decision was made. I resigned because... Me, my whole life had always been, I loved doing something where I was in service, where I was helping other people, where I was making a difference. I was helping change things, collaborating, working with others, making a difference in the lives of other people. From me developing a computer lab in the church, um, in the church that I was involved with before I left Jersey, 
I developed a computer lab for the young people and taught them computer skills. Free, the next for a dime. Taught these little young kids in the inner city how to use computers, how to get online, how to use Word. It was service. I grew up in a service-oriented environment where my mom and dad were always, you know, they were in the service. They were in church, the community. They were always giving up their time, their talents, their creativity, and their skill sets. And they both lived such fulfilling, rewarding lives. So for me, you know, as the old saying goes, apple doesn't fall far from the tree. It rubbed off because as we were growing up, my sister, brother, and I, when my parents would go out into workshops or community activities, we were always with them. And we would help them with their workshops and programs and do the little handouts, help them prepare at home. And it made a difference for me because I fell in love with being a part of a change, of giving back, of helping others. So it was deeply ingrained in me. And the most important thing for me, guys, was that when I realized, you know, my unique calling, I took it and I ran with it. And it just happened just like that. I kid you not. My point here is that we all have to work, and we know that everybody needs income. You have bills to pay. You want to live a good quality life, so we have to work. Unfortunately, sometimes we have to work in positions that we just don't like. When I went into academia, loved teaching, loved working with the young people, loved it all, but I could not tolerate the, the and I hate that word tolerate anyway, uh, racism, the incompetence, and there was so much that was wrong, and there was so much that was so severely wrong that in order for a lot of the colleges and universities I worked at to have them fixed, they would have had to clean out, clean house. So I saw too many issues there where they weren't really trying to help, especially when I taught at schools in predominantly black communities where the student population was predominantly students of color, that is. And when you would see the administration and the faculty, you know, they shouldn't even have been there. They should have just cleaned house. So you see so much that is wrong from bad curriculum to old textbooks to incompetent staff to the white faculty holding threats over the black administration's heads of screaming racism if they weren't allowed to have their way. In the meantime, I saw such horrible, low-grade curriculum being offered to these black and, and other students of color that it was an issue for me because as for those of you who know me, you know when Dr. C steps in, I give it all my all, 100% plus. And when you want to talk about students graduating from college and severely lacking the skill sets that they need to be successful in the workforce, and they were supposed to developed these skill sets while they were going to college, and they have not, for whatever reason. That's a problem, especially when I see it for students of color. When faculty know that they're giving these kids pure crap in the curriculum, where you're giving them a borderline, what I considered 
maybe ninth, tenth grade education and calling it college education, that is a problem. So what I started to see, guys, with my unique calling and how much I wanted part of the change, where you really help people grow, where you change them life, their lives and you take them from where they are to where they want to be. And you show them how to get there. And you supply, you provide the support, the nurturing, the guidance, the care, the advice, the mentoring, the recommendations. So for me and my unique calling and my work with colorism, I saw so many issues affecting our girls and women of color. And these issues were deeper than the colorism. These issues were to degree where so many young women I spoke to and dealt with had practically almost given up because they were just like, nobody's going to hear me. No one's listening. No one cares. And I'm just here. So I'm going to do what I have to do to just to survive and get through. But life is bigger than that, guys. It's not just about just surviving. It's about surviving and living a quality life, living the life that you believe you deserve to live, that you want to live, accomplishing your goals, your dreams, reaching higher ground. In other words, doing you. So what had happened was that I saw so many young women who were just there, and my heart went out to them. And my point that I'm making here is that with my unique calling, it just came out just like that from the woman that I determined to realizing that there was so much more. And here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with corporate America. If you want to work there, that's great. It's not for everybody. When I realized that I'm more of a wanting to give back to the community and be a part of helping people improve and enhance and change their lives and do better and live quality lives. So that is where, that is how I ended up in my unique calling. It just happened. When you stop and you look at all the societal ills that are out here, and they'll consider this, if you will, seriously, we have continued inequality. We have racism, colorism. We have the hatred, disparate treatment, the drug issues, crime, climate change, health and socioeconomic issues. We're talking about poverty. The other one, which is environmental racism, which we're going to do a show on in a few weeks. Hunger, homelessness, religious persecution, silencing and shaming, among other issues. So, basically, we've come a long way. But we still have miles to go in order for us to live in a society that embraces all people. And I say this in quotes, you know, a more perfect union, end quote. So when you look at all the ills in society, and then you look at your, your skill sets that you have, your talents, the talent, the creativity, the skills, the t- your time that you have to put into helping, when you look at all those ills that we have, certainly so many have found that they could go out using their unique calling to tackle some of the societal ills that we're dealing with. And they've done it. They have been a part of the change that is needed. My point here is that 
your unique calling empowers you to be the change that is needed. So what you have to do is to examine, read, look at your experiences, research, have dialogues, discussions with others, learn. And if you want to be successful with what you do, with your unique calling, you must be prepared, not just with knowledge, skills, and abilities, but you have to remain relevant with what's going on, with the trends, with current events. You write about, you know, your area, uh, your unique calling. Learn as much as you can to such a degree that you become an expert on the issue or the topics or the issues because you're not limited to just one. So when we talk about your unique callings, we're talking about using your voice as well. Along with the talent, skills, creativity, time. And, and it's important that you do so because somebody somewhere needs someone to carry that torch and blaze a trail leading to change. I love what I do, gang. I love my work um, with the girls and women of color from the shows with visibility to the research to meeting new people to developing these, these programs. Um, and all of this time, I've developed so many awesome programs that we're going to roll out. And yes, it is time-consuming. But if you want it to be done right, you take your time and you put it together with a system of checks and balances so that when you do roll out what you're going to do, and remember, as someone has said to me a couple of months ago, and I, I love this saying, you don't have to let everybody know what you're going to do. You, you lay low until the plane's in the air. Then you can let them know this is what we're doing. Because when you're using your unique calling and you're, you're passionate about it, for me, this is my passion, this is my purpose, this is what I call my life's work. I'm living my dream in color, using my talent, skills, creativity, and my voice to make a difference. Haka, my unique calling. So when we start looking at girls and women of color, you know, you can be the change to prepare girls and women's culture to be in a better position, to close the income gap, not just gender-wise, but racial as well, as well as the unemployment gap. You know, it's noted by Norris, um, 2018, Time Life, I'm sorry, Time, had a special edition issue out on Martin Luther King Jr., and it was titled 50 Years Later. Martin Luther King Jr., His Life and Legacy. And in there, um, Ms. Norris wrote an article. And she noted something that was so important, which is the persistent, pervasive racial inequality, you know, the opportunity gap. And what we look at when we start looking at that opportunity gap with girls and women of color um, we could be somebody's opportunity in life to help narrow that persistent, pervasive, that racial inequality that we see so much of, that opportunity gap. You can be the catalyst that is needed to usher in change. When we look at the issues, especially when we talk about black girls, black girls, their needs and their experiences are unique and they are different. 
And I'll argue anybody down on that. And we need programs, initiatives, resources. We need mentors who are really mentors, who have the, the skill sets to be a mentor. Not everyone can be a mentor. And it's important to understand that. Not everyone can go out and say, okay, I'm going to develop a program. You may need to collaborate, bring others on board with you, do what you need to do to make a difference, but be open to revising what you're doing. If someone can come along and help enhance it, work together. Because you never know how your unique calling, coupled with someone else's unique calling, can be so significant alone, but the two of you come together can be the absolute change that is needed. So use your unique callings. You know, you can trailblaze paths as torchbearers. Lead the way, if it, whether you're working with poverty, someone in the poverty area, homelessness, whether health and mental illness, issues, climate change, environmental racism, Use your unique calling to make a difference. Let your passion and the drive that propels you to keep working and moving forward guide you. There is so much that you can do. Your, our unique callings are there because I believe, in, and I always say this, as Joel Osteen says this all the time, God would not have placed that dream in your heart if you weren't capable of doing it. I'm paraphrasing him there. So my question to all of you is this. How can you use your unique calling to be the change needed? Have you found what your unique calling is? Have you stopped really focusing on things that you hold dear to your heart? Things that you're passionate about? Or are you someone who just goes to work and comes home and you don't give a rat's ta-ta about the border, um, you know, about the rest of humanity, the border concerns of humanity, rather? I think it's important that we all, in some shape, form, or fashion, remember, it doesn't have to be huge. It can be extremely small that we try to make a difference, that we take a stand on the societal ills that we see that are really made, that are issues. We take the time and focus on how we can all be a part of the change needed, how we can leave this world better than we found it. And there's so much that is wrong. If you guys recall, I don't know if you saw the movie Annie, that's the version with James Fox. In that movie, the little girl played Annie, referred to Jamie Foxx as her opportunity. And she sang this cute little song in the movie. So when we start talking about opportunities and you using your unique calling to be someone's opportunity, that means you, you're helping someone. You're giving them a helping hand, not a handout, a helping hand. You're bringing attention to a cause, to an issue, to problems. One thing I, you know, Martin Luther King said this in 1965, quote, an individual has not started living until he can rise above the narrow confines of his individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity, quote. 
That is such a, a deep statement. Now, as I told you earlier, growing up, my white parents taught us, you know, to give back, offer a helping hand, to use your time, your talents, your skills, creativity, unselfishly. And when you do that, you, you do so without seeking personal gain. And I've done so remarkably, really well. And it's important to remember that when you identify, you realize what your unique calling is. It, it's going to like probably overwhelm you in the beginning. It'll just grab you. It'll be like a magnet that you just can't let go of. And remember that jot things down. This is just so important. Jot things down that come to you. Use your unique calling to help someone, to be their opportunity, to maybe develop a program or a resource. Something that you're giving back to help society. There's so much that needs to be done, especially in our inner cities, especially abroad when we go into other countries where girls and women of color do not have the freedoms that we have here. There's so much that needs to be done with regard to just lifting them up, their self-esteem, their pride, identity, love of self. There's a lot of work to do. So whatever you decide to do where you need calling, it's on you. But make sure that you're using that unique calling to bring about change, to make a difference in the lives of, in the, lives of, of the people who you're focusing in on. And remember, the change that you make, you help bring about or you make, the difference that you make, it doesn't have to be some monumental thing. It can be something really small. The fact of the matter is that you're helping someone. You focus in on the things that matter. As Dr. King noted, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. We simply cannot be silent, gang, about the wrongs we see in society, and there's so many. If it is wrong, you can use your unique calling to take a stand, to make a difference. You can be the catalyst for the change needed. We cannot be silent about drugs destroying communities of color, high crime rates, climate change, health and socioeconomic issues, poverty, hunger, or homelessness. You know, earlier today, I read an article from the L.A. Times. And in that L.A. Times, a gentleman was going to, he was really focusing in on, and I hope I still have it on my phone, he was focusing in on how there are so many people in L.A. who were homeless. And I think it was something like 58,000, if I remember correctly. I was trying to find the article again on my phone. But he noted that the bulk of those people who were homeless in L.A. were not people who suffered with mental illness. They were not people who were, who were drug addicts. These are people who, for whatever reason, fell on hard times. Things just didn't work out for them. They were homeless. So there is a big need to help. And sometimes we have to remember that people just get down on their luck. That life can throw a curveball at them that could hit them and knock the wind out of them. Just knock them down. 
And while for others it may be easier for them to get back up, dust themselves off, and continue walking again, for some people those curveballs knock them down. And for the life of themselves, they just can't get back up to stand up, to dust themselves off, to continue on their journey. Those are the people that need a helping hand. Those are the people who, when we see them, they're hungry. They don't have homes. They live in poverty. They need our help the most. Everyone, in my opinion, and I would think everyone here will agree with me, no child, no woman, no man should ever have to live. You know, let me put my, let me correct myself, not have their own home. Where a child should be able to walk into their room every night and see their favorite things in their room and sleep peacefully in a warm, safe, secure environment that is stable to wake up the next day and eat a hot meal. To be able to go to school and a program that's equipping them with the KSAs they need to continue rising to the top, to get a quality education. So there are a lot of issues that need to be addressed. And make no mistake, do not let the status quo and others tell you to stop. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a few. Because sometimes things as they are are not always the way they should be. And because just because they exist the way they do exist doesn't mean that they're right and it's okay and that it's good. But when you start to get involved and you start to uncover and research and you can look at things that on the face they look perfect, smooth, eloquent, beautiful. But if you dig a little deeper and you turn it over, it's ugly and rotten to the core and it's crap. And it's not good and it's not doing what it's designed to do. And it's designed to help people, to make a difference, to bring about change. And it's not doing that. Or the change that it's bringing about is leaving people in the same position that they were in when they became involved in the program or whatever. So, you know, we cannot be silent about things like this. We cannot be silent about religious persecutions. The silencing of those who speak their truth and the shaming of others among other issues. You know, girls and women of color are going through being marginalized, being shamed, being silenced, ignored. We cannot, and I cannot, be silent about the issues affecting girls and women of color. The marginalization, as I just noted, the disparate treatment of visibility. Their voice is not being heard, always being criticized, negative stereotypes, you know, the design to demean and keep them down. Can you imagine what in the heck it would, it's like for, let's just say, a little black girl or black teen or even a black woman to have to live with every single day of their lives with some form of criticism where they're not seeing themselves represented correctly or adequately in the media? With people being sold a stereotype about this is who black girls are. This is how they act. This is what they they stand for. This is what they do. Well, news alert. One size does not fit all. We're all different. We're unique. 
and imagine the trauma or the hell that black girls and black women live every day because they're being treated differently because of the color of their skin, because they're black women, because of the way they look. These perceived or these um, negative stereotypes where they're already gazed and labeled and categorized before someone even opens their mouth to say a word to them. Just because they're black, that's wrong. And and when we start seeing issues like that, it's so disturbing. When we cannot remain silent, everyone, about the problems or the issues we see in education. You know, don't fall for the hype. Here's the thing when we start looking at this and using your unique calling. When you say to me that somebody is, is responsible for improving graduation rates of students at a predominantly black school in the inner city, where the rates were all-time low for years, this is what we need to think of. And this is why I, I, I get so annoyed and I see the dumbing down of society because that's what is dumbing you down. This person came on board, and all of a sudden, graduation rates of the students in this predominantly black high school have gone off the charts. First time in year, they're up 60 70%, whatever percentage you want to use. Wouldn't that make you think or question, well, how is that one person, how are they capable to get the graduation rate so high? Is anybody stopping to think, well, you know what? Let me go and see how well those students are graduated or equipped with the KSAs that they're going to need. Are they prepared for college? See, when you tell me that your graduation rates have increased significantly and you're pushing all these young black kids out the door and saying, that, you know, they've graduated, and those same students into a community college classroom can't write a doggone decent paragraph. Who is BSing who? Think about it. The con and the greatest con that was told here is that you're claiming these great numbers when in actuality and reality, the numbers are correct. Because if those students cannot walk out, can't read and write, comprehend, at minimum at that level, then something's wrong. A grave injustice, again, is being done. So now imagine those students who would push through, they said, because the graduation rates are so high, they graduated them out of the school. Those students go to the community college I referenced to you early in Baltimore, and they run into programs or curriculum. Now, remember, these kids don't know any better. And they go into a curriculum that's basically like a high school curriculum, letting them think they're getting a college education, and they're getting sold another kind a bowl of crap. So do you see the cycle here, guys? This is why using your unique calling to address the issues must be done. We can no longer sit by and be silent about a lot of these issues that are the reasons why we see so many of our young people, when they do get out of high school, working in these, in these jobs because no one has instilled in them or said to them, you can go be A, B, C, or D. Dream big. 
dream big, colorful dreams. You can get out of, you don't have to, where you're living at, it's not where you have to stay all your life. There's a whole world out there waiting to be explored. So the idea of saying these unique callings can help these young, you can use your unique calling to help our young people reach higher ground, help them see the help them to see themselves in a different light, help them imagine five years from now, focusing on making sure they're getting a quality education. Well, how can I use, so you're probably saying, Dr. C, you're talking a whole bunch of stuff, but how can I use my unique calling to be a part of that change that is needed for those young people you just spoke about in education and, and the issues that they're dealing with? You can develop after-school programs, community organizations, nonprofits. Get involved with others. If you're in a church, work through them and develop something. But your unique calling is one that will equip equip you with the KSAs you need to bring about the change. When too often the voices of the masses are often ignored and they're not heard. Their plight not deemed important enough for reasons we all know too well. So what do you do? What do you do when you see that? We buckle down, gang, and help our girls master the skill sets that they need. Use your unique calling as a trailblazer to blaze a path by developing programs, initiatives, getting involved, getting others involved to help our girls, you know, help them with the writing. This stuff we see STEM stuff is exploding off the map. It's wonderful. Get them, in, in, you know, interested in reading and writing. Let them, you know, express themselves in written form so that when they become adults, they are prepared. College is not for everyone. I've always said this and I always say it. For those who decide not to go to college, they still still need to know how to read, write, and reason well. To understand forms. To read, to comprehend, and apply. It's so important. You can use your unique calling to help young people in that area. You know, we when we start looking and this education thing is really big. Because, you see, I've been in the high school sector. I've worked, taught at the community college level. I've taught at the undergrad level. And I've taught at the grad level. So I can tell you what I have seen. Learn to question when school, you know, these rates just seriously focus in on that. We need to stand and advocate. We need to target these negative stereotypes we see about girls and women of color. We need to challenge them when they want to depict us on, in movies and films as being, like they say, the Jezebel type. Or just being all out, excuse the term, loud, ghetto, portraying us as being ignorant, just as sex pots. We are so much more. And we have to learn to us to show them who we are not who they believe or perceive us to be who we are if you have the time the talent the skills the creativity get involved work 
with other groups. Start your own. So that when we start looking at our girls, and specifically our black girls and women, that we can develop quality programs, not some BS cockamamie, let me get rich quick from grants and funding programs. Because I'm seeing too much crap out here. Someone said to me a couple of days ago, wow, you're taking a long behind time to get your programs rolled out. I'm taking my time because I want it to picture perfect. You know, things always can be improved. But when I roll it out, I want it to be in such a position, such as uh, a um, point or place that, of course, you're going to tweak. But it will do exactly what it is designed to do. That's the point. So I use my unique calling to do everything that I'm doing. So it's important that we remember. We stand and advocate. We talked about developing the programs that will lift, inspire, and help our girls and women reach higher ground. You know, I talked last week on one of the episodes doing We Are Our Sisters Keepers about the training programs that we're training these girls to be housekeepers, to go clean hotel rooms. Here's the bottom line. We need to focus in on programs, training, that will help girls and women of color rise above the poverty level. When you say to me that you're sending this young black girl, Latino girl, to a training program for employment, And you're sending her into a program that is designed to keep her in a minimum wage income bracket, one. Number two, to live in poverty. I'm not saying it's intentional, but think about it. If this woman can only work, the only skill that she has developed is to go out and clean hotel rooms. How in the hell can you expect this woman to be able to take care of herself and her family. Let's say she has two children. And you want to complain that they're getting food stamps and other assistance. But if you are developing programs that you are approving and giving these organizations money to hope to, to roll out these programs, which are pure, pure crap, and designed to keep the girls and women of color in poverty level employment, then how can they ever rise above to be a homeowner? Do you guys see my point? So when we start talking about using unique callings, we can use our unique callings to develop quality programs that will help girls and women of color rise above their current you know, situation or, or, or that they're in. Help them develop the knowledge, skills, and abilities where they can be success stories. Where they don't have to live in poverty and take handouts and they can eat what they want to eat and take their children and let the children enjoy good quality lives. Last night, my sister and I went down to the grocery store in light of the pending storm. We went there just to pick up little odd and ends. And it was like maybe 11 30, 12 midnight. And I saw a little black girl maybe two or three years old. Mom was bringing her out of the store with their friends. That little baby should have been home in bed, sleeping, warm, had a bubble bath. Somebody read her story. 
Say your prayers, tuck her in, turn off the light, leave the night line on rather and let her sleep. So when you start looking at some of the issues we deal with in society, perhaps this woman had no other place to leave her daughter. And that's understandable. But my point in bringing that up is to say this. We need programs that also help young mothers with understanding the needs, the psychological, emotional, physical, and social well-being and needs of their children. So your unique calling could be one that could help them develop a program or resources to let them know the priority and how paramount their children's well-being actually, you know, where does it fall? But Whatever we do with our unique callings, however you look at the issues that you see in society and all the ills, we, I'm coming back to the point that we have to teach our young mothers to do better by their children. So if that means you use your unique calling to develop a program that does it, then do it. At the end of the day, where you see there's an issue or something that's wrong, and it could be improved. It could be fixed. You have to step out there. Be somebody's opportunity. Because somewhere somebody needs an opportunity to begin living a fulfilling life. And I noted this before in the earlier show. Somewhere somebody needs your voice to advocate for them. A child needs a tutor. Another needs a mentor, hot meal, warm home. Encouragement and programs to inspire. Your unique calling can possibly equip you with the ability to address so many of these issues. Whether it's a young mother needing a helping hand, compassion and inspiration, and a chance to reach higher ground. It could be even a young man who needs an opportunity or just a second chance to do what he wanted to do from the beginning, and maybe he was sidetracked. There's someone out there who needs a jump start to, you know, on his or her journey. They need to be loved unconditionally. They need somebody to lean on. If I can show somebody, you know, and this is how I look at it, and this is how I think we should all look at it. However you use your unique calling, it doesn't matter how many lives that you touch. It, you don't have to look, set out to say, oh, 50,000. As Martin Luther King once stated that, oh, um, him, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong. Now, let me go back and say it right. If I can help somebody, saying this in quotes, as I pass along. If I can cheer somebody with a word or song. If I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain, end quote. My point here is that it doesn't matter if you only, you're only able to reach one person. It's the fact that you helping out, using your unique calling to help change the life of that one person, sometimes it's all that's needed. So remember, don't let yourself get sight up thinking, oh, if I can't help 50,000 or, or 10 or 15 or, or 100, it's not, it is worth it. 
because it's that one life you may have changed or touched that would help that person now prepare to go where they need to go in life. So remember that. If you only help that one person, you can help them in some way by being their opportunity. Then you are a success. When you do that, you are a success. And if you help them in some way by being the opportunity to help them achieve a goal, accomplish what they set out to accomplish, then they are a success. So it's a win-win situation. So I'll repeat it. If you set out to help them and you're able to do so and they, they're willing to accept your help to help them reach a goal, a milestone, and you set out to do that and you do it, success for you. They achieve the goal they're setting out to achieve, success for them, win-win across the board. Dr. King um, focused that you be able to think about others, not just yourself, is important. And when you're in unique calling, that's what it shows you. That's what you do. But you, I'm saying this in quotes. The geography, the geography of the mind requires that we challenge our assumptions and see past differences to place all kinds of people in a category marked, quote, bound for success. Although we all know that Dr. King's gene dreams unfinished, that list is still too long. But the brilliance of his riff on the dream was that it challenged all of us to think differently. So when you are using your, and I, and I say that in quote by, it's by Norris 2018, in Race in America Today, 55 years um, after King. So what I'm saying to you guys is that when you set out to use your unique calling to help someone, place them in that category bound for success. Don't leave them in that category of pending, unsure, no hope. You automatically pick them up and place them in that category that says they're bound for success. And just by you placing them in that bound for success category will help them reach that goal, accomplish that task successfully. You have to believe in them as much as they believe in themselves that they'll be able to do it. So your unique calling it's so empowering, empowering to not just you, but to everyone with whom you come into contact. So let it help you be the change that you wish to see in the world with the belief that your efforts will leave the world better than it is. That your efforts, your actions, interactions, and reactions can be the world of difference for just one person. That's all that it takes. When we start looking at girls and their voices and their visibility, especially black girls and women, you know, their voices are paramount. And the dynamics, that, you know, within which we function every day in society, use your unique calling to help bring about the change for them. And something else to remember, too, guys, 
when you're setting out with these unique callings. You don't have to be famous when you're using your unique calling to bring about the change needed. As Dr. King noted back in 1968, not everyone can be famous, but everybody can be great because greatness is determined by service. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. End quote. So use your unique calling to make a difference, not for personal gain, fame, or fortune, but rather to extend a helping hand to those in need. For those who cannot stand for themselves, who can't speak for themselves, too many people become involved for the wrong reasons. And thus, we, that's why we start seeing the crap programs that aren't even worth the paper that they're written on. You know, I'm going to share this story with you. When I relocated to Jersey, ran into a woman I hadn't seen in a couple of years. And she, along with her colleagues, decided to um, have a discussion about Dr. C and NGWCC and why I started it and why I do all that I do. And their question was, is she in it for the money? And I was appalled and outraged and ticked off and pissed off and every other kind of you could think of game. And I found it insulting because my husband and I funded everything that I've done. We never went out for money to get resources. Everything I've done and built has been through my fund. Now with visibility, we will be going out to get sponsorship because that is we do need sponsorship to keep it going. But what I found most insulting is that I do what I do because this is who I am. It's deeply ingrained in the inner fabric of my being. Because to quote Dr. King, I have a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. So when I do what I do, I'm living my dream. Your unique calling enable you to live your dream because it's with your passion that you'll be functioning and doing all that you do. So go ahead and do what you do best because, like I said, it's deeply ingrained and in the fabric of you. You'll be making the world a better place. You'll be trailblazing a path as a torchbearer. And one more thing before I wrap it up, guys. Ignore the naysayers, the haters, the jealous and the envious and toxic people. They're going to be jealous about your unique calling. So like Michelle Obama, Obama noted, when they go low, you go high. Don't waste time in entertaining the negativity because you're going to encounter them. Every step of the way, but if you're serious about what you're doing, who you are and why you do what you do, the toxic folks will not phase you. Ignore them. You see, it's that old crabs in a barrel mentality. You all heard about that before. So when you're letting your unique calling lead you, and it's your dream, your dream of change, of being a part of the change, is alive. It is a dream that will not be deferred. So don't let it be deferred by toxic individuals who try to talk you down out of it. It is, a, it is not stagnated. So don't let toxic folks stagnate you with their negativity and saying to you, oh, why are you doing that? Why are you trying to help them? You need to just focus in on you and live your life for you. 
if you have a unique calling and if it is your passion and purpose deeply ingrained in the fabric of your being, you won't let the negativity turn you. You know that the closer you get to achieving a goal, and everybody knows this, the more the devil will screw with you and he will use the closest thing to you to tear you down. So, and beat your, beat your brow. You've heard that saying, the devil is beating my brow. So ignore those who can't see your dream, who can't embrace your unique calling. And they don't see you living your dream of pursuing, um, bringing about change via your unique calling. You have the audacity to dream in color. And as you do, you will embrace your unique calling, which will empower you to advance and reach for the stars. Just believe in yourself. Believe in your unique calling, being the catalyst that is needed to bring about the change. Regardless of where your unique calling leads you to, whether it's in, into um, poverty, whether it is into dealing homelessness, environmental racism, education, health, mental or physical health areas, whether it is helping young people in sports, reading, writing, a tutoring program, writing books for girls, starting programs. Look at what I do, talk radio show. I don't worry if only one person listens to my episodes. This is what I do because I love what I do. But if I sit here and I said, hmm, I wonder how many people are going to listen today. That's not going to keep me. That's not going to get me going where I need to go. So you can't be worrying about the little things. Use your unique calling to be a part of the change needed, to be the catalyst for the change, to be the change. Because at the end of the day, when all is said and done, you can be a success story. Believe in yourself. Believe that your cause for which you're using your unique calling, your unique calling to bring about the change is more than worth it. God's favor, his faithfulness, your positive thoughts will take you where you need to go, where you're destined to go, rather, because that power is within you. So use that unique calling to trailblaze um, a path that's going to take people places. Remember and focus it on the fact that you cannot allow anyone to leave your business unfinished. If you believe you have a unique calling, you understand the border concerns of humanity. You can handle the naysayers and the envious and the jealous and the toxic people. They're like, they're like little bugs to be squashed. You don't even entertain them. But at the end of the day, we all should be concerned with how we can be a part of the change that we need to see in this society. There's so much wrong. There's so many issues in so many areas where our girls and women are indeed suffering, where so many just don't know better. There's so many programs that have started out here that are pure crapola, that are doing nothing to make a difference. Somebody said to me, made a comment to me a couple of months ago and said, oh, we've stepped over X amount of thousands of girls. And I'm saying, well, what the heck did you help them with? What did you do? Don't be so consumed with numbers, but you should be consumed with results. 
I don't care if you said to me, hey, Dr. C, I've helped over 40,000 girls. If you tell me you've helped 40,000 girls and you've made this big change in their lives and and I don't see it, something's wrong. So as you use your unique calling to bring about the change that we need to make a difference in the lives of others, being so doggone consumed with numbers, be consumed with quality that you're providing. Be consumed with results. Proof is in the pudding. That is what you, you're concerned with. Now, and let me, let me make sure I'm clarifying myself. Because when I talk about the numbers, I'm not interested in you bragging to me that you've helped 40,000 people when the results don't say that. Numbers are important to help you make data-driven, especially with data, to make informed decisions. When I refer to don't be so consumed with numbers, I mean from the standpoint of don't walk around bragging 40,000 people, and those 40,000 people you're telling me that you've done all these great things for have fallen by the wayside. We have an issue. Consume yourself with providing quality. Use your unique calling. Your, you know, remember, comprise of your talents, your time, your skills, your creativity, and throw your voice in there. Make sure what you do with your unique calling is worth it. Worth it to the people you're helping, that you're delivering something of quality. And make sure that when you do start talking about your numbers, make sure those are numbers of results that you can see. It's called assessment. Assess what you do. If you have a program, you need to assess it. At the end of the day, when all is said and done, your unique calling will help you live a fulfilling life. So just like that young lady told me that day after I went there to terminate her and took a lovely three-hour ride, at the end of the day, when all is said and done, she wanted her life to have stood for something, that she made a difference. And that is what is so beautiful about being able to use your unique calling. You can be the change needed. And remember, even if it's just one person's life that you touch, that you change, that you enhance, it's all that matters. Because that one will tell another who will tell another and so on and so on. So remember, if you can be consumed, be consumed with the quality. Be consumed with using your unique calling to help somebody. Because so many people, you just don't know, they need so much help. They need help with just basic life skills. They need help with being able to read and write. They need homes. They need food. They need roofs over their heads. They need health care. They need quality education. So many need so much. Your unique calling. Use it to trailblaze a path. Even if no one within your your community has ever thought about tackling a particular topic or area that you're interested in, it's okay. You do it. 
And remember, when you do it, you're not doing it for the glory of you. You're doing it because it's deeply ingrained in who you are. That you want to help people. You want to be about, bring about change. You want to help enhance and improve their lives. You don't go out with your unique calling to brag and boast and puff out your chest. Then, you, you know, you're totally off, you know, left field there. Your unique calling is such that, as I noted, it's deeply ingrained in you. You live and breathe it automatically. You don't have to put it on. It's just there. Surround yourself with positive people who can embrace what you want to do. Embrace your unique calling. Maybe some of those will be able to enhance and help you and go into other areas or grow together to collaborate. Because we all know there's power in numbers. At the end of the day, regardless of how you choose to advance using your unique calling, know that you can be a trailblazer. Blazer in a path, a trail. It's a torchbearer to bring about the change. So remain strong in your convictions, in your beliefs and your values. Always speak your truth unapologetically. Take a stand on matters of great importance. You have to remember that no matter what, your unique calling will just guide you where you need to go. And you automatically know what you need to do. At the end of the day, when all is said and done, that unique calling, that trail that you will blaze, that torch that you will bear, can be catalysts for the change that we need to leave the world better than what it is right now. It can help someone help them. And just remember, you don't have to be famous in doing that. It's not about fame and glory and puffing your chest out for you. It's about the people whose lives you've touched and you're helping. That's what your unique calling enables you to do. So having said that, guys, I'm going to wrap up. Just remember, keep doing doing. Be true blue from the heart. Reminder to you all, the call for submission to the National Girls and Women of Color Council's anthology, Our Voices, Our Stories, is remains open until May 31st. So please encourage young girls and women to write. Secondly, we at Visibility are looking for sponsors for our show for that, to, to sponsor the episodes. So we will be sending out our sponsorship proposals with letters to potential sponsors. We will take donations on our on NGWCC's website. But we do need your sponsorship. It's You can sponsor an episode at $500 per episode. You can do it in bulk sponsorship. If you're interested in a sponsorship proposal or package, please reach out to us and let us know. You can um, reach us through. Whoops, I hit the mic. <laughs> you can reach us through 
uh, the complexity guest booking a complex sponsor, I'm sorry, sponsor at uh, ngwcc.org. So we need your help to stay on the air. Next week, we have a phenomenal show. Our guest is going to be Miss Brenda Scott Coleman. And she wrote the book, um, Brendy. It's about children growing up with physical differences. And we're going to review her, her two books. And we're going to talk about how little girls of color who deal with, uh, like, facial differences or deformities and other physical deformities, how that affects their psychological, emotional, physical, and social well-being and growth. So she has an awesome, wonderful story to tell. We'll talk about her books. I'll have a profile up this week. But I'm looking forward to next week. I love doing visibility, you guys. And... We will have, you know, shows we once a month. I'll go solo. And then we will have guests of great interest and importance is that we have a guest, awesome guest lined up. And I was looking for my folder to share with you, but I believe it is on March 28th. We have Dr. Elizabeth Hodge Freeman, who is a colorism expert who focuses in on colorism in Brazil. And she'll be our guest on the 28th to talk about the colorism issues in Brazil. And we will review her book, The Color of Love. We also have Dr. Franklin Epps, who focuses in on dementia within the black community. And she'll be a guest on upcoming shows to talk about how dementia is affecting us um, in the black community because it's something that needs to be talked about. So we have some really awesome guests coming on, some exciting shows designed, again, to help with the psychological, emotional, physical, social well-being growth of our girls and women of color, to help propel, propel you to higher ground, to focus in on advancing, celebrating, embracing, and empowering you across the board. This is who we are. This is what we do. So, having said that, everyone, enjoy your week. Remember, ladies, to smile at another sister as you pass each other in the street. This is Women's History Month. So, you want to make sure that you are, you be somebody's opportunity to help someone. It's so important. Throughout this month, when we have the other episodes at the end, we'll talk about women in history who, who've been phenomenal. I like to focus in on Maya Angelou, her poetry, her books, her writing. She paved the path. Definitely a, trails, a trailblazer, a torchbearer. Her unique calling was with the written word. She made a big difference, opened up doors, broke down barriers for so many black women and girls and other women of color. So that is who we recognize today, Dr. Maya Angel. Remember, guys, be authentic in all that you do. Speak your truth unapologetically. Love passionately. Live with purpose. Be your inspiration. And most importantly, Define yourself for yourself 
and keep rising to the top. Let your unique calling lead you to new beginnings that are deeply rooted in, in a cause that will leave this world better than it is now. Change somebody's life for the better. And may you always remember that you do all that you do with a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. Good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Visibility with your host, Dr. Donna Maria Culpert. You may contact us at 866-829-0163. We're looking forward to you tuning in next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next week, remember to define yourself for yourself. Dare to be different and dream in color. This is Dr. Culpert signing off for Visibility. Good night.